Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. It's that time of year again, ladies and gentlemen. Super Bowl time, Super Bowl 53. Save up and stop eating. Make sure you do your appointment viewing. Stock up on everything. Find a new set of friends. The field now set for Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. The perennial Patriots facing the up-and-coming Rams. And by the way, the average rate of a 30-second ad in the Super Bowl game increased by 96% during the past decade, reaching over 5.2 million last year. Cantor Media Analysis said during the same period, the average primetime ad rates for everything fell by 12%. 2018, marketers spent about $408 million for in-game messages. And if you add the pre- and post-game spots, total investment nearly $500 million. The 2017 Super Bowl holds the record at $419 million ad spending, uh, basically because of an overtime. But Super Bowl 53 hospitality packages are up about 17% from last season in Minnesota, understanding that according to on-location experiences. And interestingly, the year-over-year increase in female fans purchasing NFL tickets from 17 to 18 is up 61%, according to research from league ticketing partner Ticketmaster. And while the Rams, playing in America's second biggest market, no doubt add many thousands of eyeballs and dollars to the mix, seeing the Patriots in the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five years and Patriots quarterback Tom Brady making his ninth appearance makes some fans sick other fans envious, everybody interested. And for a variety of reasons, there may be a dearth of celebrities in this year's ads. 56 celebrities in Super Bowl ads, up 43 from the prior year. But last Monday, Hyundai stayed firm on the celebrity bandwagon. Jason Bateman stars in its first quarter spots. The other 60-second commercials using humor, Amy Schumer, Rihanna, both said they'd boycott the Super Bowl in support of Colin Kaepernick. Many other brands continue to take the regular Joe route, opting to spend their advertising dollars on real people, promoting real products, humor, poignancy, and both. We'll have a lot more about the Super Bowl next week and obviously the week after. Very rare when we have somebody transcend NFL and get back into college. Brad Edwards, really important and coincidental this week. Who remembers who was the MVP of Super Bowl 26? He's a Redskin. He was in the defensive backfield. It was 1992 season. The Redskins won. Yeah, it was Brad Edwards and a nine-season NFL 122-game transition. He was a star with the Redskins. Now, athletic director at George Mason University, just signing a five-year extension through 2023, providing stability to that department. And as we head into Super Bowl, who better to talk about what that was like, what college athletics today is like, and a look to the future. Brad Edwards. Rick Harrell, we're here to 
at a Redskins game, a, a South Carolina University game. No, 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 we're here at George Mason game. <laughs> <laughs> right, Brad Edwards. We can go to Columbia. Yeah, if you yeah, like. no, we're not. We're going to stay right here. Brad Edwards, like athletic it. director. Uh, George Mason, thank you very much. That's for being great here. to be here. Really, really thank appreciate you. it. So and I like my alma mater, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and, and you've been in so many different places, but I know that your alma mater will be back as well. Absolutely. You know, the, the bottom line from your perspective is a hearty congratulations. You signed a five-year extension through 2023. You started here in July of 2014. You certainly earned your stripes, but there is a value and a virtue and stability, is there not? Absolutely. Uh, and knowing uncertainty is, yeah. is not a bad thing and in, in certainly in, in sports and, and, and in life. And so it's uh, this is an amazing university. It's uh, one of the fastest growing universities, certainly the youngest in the country to be a tier one, your top 100 research universities in, in America. So it's an amazing university in a, in, a, in a great area and a wonderful place to live. And it's obviously in the backyard of uh, the place that uh, I had a, a great experience with with the Redskins. Well, clearly, and you've had the ability to understand sports from a number of perspectives. We'll get into all of them. But let's first talk about the George Mason magic. Uh, four years, four plus years you've been here. Correct. $20 million in revenue. Uh, you've done a deal with a Adidas. You did a deal with Eagle Bank uh, that uh, borders on 15 million bucks. You got nearly six million dollars in donations. Which came first? How did it all happen? And kind of give me the chronology. Yeah, and some of it, it, it <clears throat> and to be truthful, is is a little bit of low hanging fruit. I, I think the first thing that really happened for us was the Eagle Bank partnership, and and they had shown some interest uh, before I got here. Uh, the sides were way off, um, and I. I felt like a middle ground was really a good place to, to go and was, was in my mind and in my experience, was probably more fair value. And uh, so I, I essentially went to the president and said, if I can get Eagle Bank makes a lot of sense for us. It And this property makes sense for them in my mind in this market. Uh, if we can get them to this number, can you help me get this get this through? We have a lot of bankers and yeah, right, on yeah, the board and that, right. that sort of thing. And so um, he said, Yes, I met with Eagle Bank, and it literally was about a thirty-minute conversation. If if you'll come here, I can. You have my word uh, uh, that I'll get this deal done. And and that was I'd been here about six weeks, and we we literally got the deal done like that. And it's been an amazing partnership. And uh, so that that and then we just sort of rolled from there. And sort of rolled from there is a lot of money in a fairly short period of time. And so, give me your perspective on raising dollars, raising credibility, raising awareness in a very crowded D.C. sports market. Yeah, it really is crowded. And uh, But from a higher ed perspective, the, the, you got to know who you are, yeah. what you add, and, and the value that, that you bring to the conversation. And, and one of the things, we're in a very affluent uh, area, um, and a lot of money's in business and, and those sort of things. And, and for us as a university, what we do is we really are the largest workforce provider in the region in terms of college-educated um, uh, college graduates and, and bringing them in the marketplace. So I just think we're able to tell that story yeah. and, and do it really well, what that means, and, and don't ignore your backyard in terms of you know investing in, in uh, that ecosystem of, of 
of, of growth and, and what that means. Seventy uh, percent of our graduates stay and live within 50 miles of campus. So, you know, what that does to uh, improving the quality of life and prosperity of the region, you, you really can't quantify that. Well, let's trace that for a minute. So six million in donation. I'm not asking you for a one to one correlation. But if people graduate, uh, live in the region, raise their kids here, they're more apt to participate in stuff here, donate here, et cetera. Absolutely. And, yeah. and that's and, and we're because we're we're not quite 50 years old as a as a you know, four year institution. It's a, a lot of our graduates are, are just now getting into those peak earning and spending years. Um, but they are they are giving back, and, and our largest groups of alumni are really our youngest, and so it's it, it really is uh, that that what you, you know exactly what you said that they're going to give back. They're they're attached, and they, and they have a, an emotional attachment to the university. So your success in dealing with what an AD has to do, uh, a lot of it's based on your. Just asking. Celebrities, Redskin, uh, business acumen, uh, prior athletic department experience, or, or Daryl Green? <laughs> all the above. You know, all the yeah. above. You, you, you have to know what assets you have. Yeah. You've got to bring them to the Clearly. table. And then you have to hire better people than yourselves. And so. And he's still faster than you, by he far, is, right? Uh, I don't know. I think I could take him now because I could wow. mandate a five-yard yeah, yeah, right, by, yeah. by the boss. Right, yeah, yeah, you know, and so where I used to work yeah. for Daryl, yeah, might be the opposite around, yeah. now. But it's, uh, you know, I get to walk in with a Super Bowl ring, unfortunately. Or fortunately, I have a guy in the office that has a uh, Hall of Fame ring. Yeah. And is really. But, but the, you tag team very well, I we, understand. We, we really do. And Daryl is. You will not find a better ambassador for for sport and for yeah. um, your university than, than Daryl Green. It's just been amazing. So, staying in the boardroom, l- let's talk about legacy a little bit. It's now been 13 years since the Final Four appearance. But when you look at some of the numbers that people tried to quantify that amazing run in 2006, right. Six, talked about right immediately after uh, a raise of about $100 million more in revenue, 53 licensees from 38, and on and on. What do you feel is the lingering effect of that 2006 run? It's absolutely brand awareness. <clears throat> uh, and we've had two Nobel Prize winning faculty members here uh, at the university. And the president will tell you that, that that's important. And we want need more. Did they play in 06? Uh, they, uh, <laughs> if they could have helped us, we, we would have figured out a way to, to, uh, to bring them into part of the, the, the conversation, the calculus. But uh, uh, the president will tell you he's amazed at, at how many times he goes out and, and somebody brings up the Final Four. It just has that lasting uh, legacy to it, and, and it had a tremendous impact on the university. We've grown by well over a 1,000 students a year uh, since that time, so it's it, it really has been hard to... The early two-year measurement was about $700 million yeah. of, of impact, a lot of that media exposure, but uh, you know, in terms of just the brand awareness in our market and, and nationally, you just it will never really be able to quantify that. Some people say you like some moment in time in history, you come in, you ignore it, you would say embrace it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm all, I'm all about uh, embracing your history, yeah. and and, uh, and 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 I think that takes confidence yeah. to do that. I think people who run from that, particularly when they come in on the back end yeah. of it, are, are you know just need to, to take a little bit of you know step back and, and, and gain a little confidence from it. All right, let's talk about the A10. Since you've been here, uh, the numbers say uh, eleven conference championships, but you have in your information, which I find compelling, 129 <laughs> Provo Scholar athletes and 200. 51 honor roll awardees. Uh, how do you balance academic and athletic so successfully? Well, we 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 
always start with the fact that we're in the education business. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in the – even sport. I mean, I and I like coaches. Um, I kind of start out hiring uh, with the who's the next Joe Gibbs and whatever sport because yeah. that's what he did is yeah. he taught. Dave Paulson's like that. He's a teacher, um, a teacher first who's going to teach life. And, and then it's running oh, right behind that um, uh, is, uh, is a, an incredible passion to try to win games and, and, and be successful on, on the court. So it, it really starts with everything we do. And that's that's our mission as a university. And it shows. All right, so segue into Redskins. So it's 98, and you're uh, 54th player drafted by the Vikings? Yes. And it's round two. Did you ever imagine 20 years later you'd be the athletic director at a, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, at a school? No, and, and, <laughs> and even more so here, and going back to Daryl Green, during the off-seasons uh, with the Redskins, we would come over here and train on the track at right outside of our office here, George Mason. The first day uh, that I was at Redskin Park, I was about to walk out the door that afternoon after we had meetings and on-field practice. Daryl walks up and says, where are you going? I said, I'm going to go try to find a track. He said, we all go over to George Mason, use their track, and there's a hill over there, and, and that's that's how I got exposed to this place. So there's a little bit of ownership yeah. here that uh, that both of us uh, you know, enjoy and, and feel for, for, for the place. Well, you certainly left your mark with the Redskins as well, being you know MVP of the Super Bowl and all. Um, how did being on that island um, in the defensive backfield uh, prepare you for uh, uh, life here? Well, it's very, it's, it's very much the same feel. You know, I'm on a, you're on an island as an athletic director, and it's only getting more island. island they, they don't pay them enough, ladies and gentlemen. Here's a ploy for well, some more dollars. Yeah, liability has gone up for athletic directors and, and college presidents for that. Matter. Yeah, right. Let me say that much. So, yeah, just just great preparation in terms of managing, you know, the stress and, and those sort of things. So, your nine seasons, 122 games, and and 589 tackles, by the way. And then you're figuring out your transition out of uh, from NFL, but you're actually doing it in the middle of the time because you're working for Equitable, you're doing stuff for Merrill Lynch and uh, IMI Resort uh, uh, Holdings as well, uh, Equity Finance. Uh, what gave you the uh, discipline to say I? better start doing this now. Yeah, I think early on, even in college, I, I think I had the sort of moment where I, I just went, I'm, I'm really, uh, football is what I do, but I'm, I'm, I really want to be an investment banker yeah. in, in college. And I sort of, I saw myself as doing that. And so, you know, throughout most of my NFL career, I worked for, you know, for the equitable companies in Merrill Lynch. And, and I just saw myself as doing that in the long term. And I was, my father was a, a high school basketball coach and a high school administrator. And, and so I think we had a good, uh, we were well grounded in reality that you're only one injury away from yeah. uh, from having to develop a new uh, a new career. And so I just enjoyed business, and and I think for me. This role really marries athletics um, and business and uh, uh, philanthropy in a, right. in a way that that just um, you know adds purpose to my life. But the transition wasn't here. The transition was at South Carolina Correct. and then Newbury really College and, and yeah. Jacksonville. Yeah, that's so. Right. Uh, all of those schools, there's some diverse experiences attached to them, too. Oh, yeah. Similarities and differences between all of those uh, schools running their athletic department. Yeah, and, and it's just, you know, you go from a lar- from an SEC school yeah. where where I was a CFO there for, for several years and, and a great experience there and having to compete with the Alabamas of the world yeah. to where, you know, I got my first athletic director job at, at uh, Newberry College where you're trying to figure out, okay, uh, who's tearing tickets? Oh, by the way, 
way you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and I've worked in Kentucky. You know, it was yeah. really it, it was a great experience because of at, at South Carolina, I really was afforded the ability to bypass a number of steps in the in the in the food chain because of who I was and the background that yeah. I had. And so going back and, and sort of having to flip burgers, if you will, yeah. um, at, a, at a at a at a ground level for me was very very helpful, and I and I think it made me a better administrator. And you're pretty humble about things too. I assume you didn't come in reminding everybody that you oh, were yeah. the Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> right, right, that right. wouldn't have lasted very oh, long. Oh no, no, and uh, runner up, and uh, it's because they can point right away to, wow, you missed that tackle, and <laughs> yeah. you know, and when, hey, and when yeah. you stood next to yeah. an official doing this for the other team as yeah. many times as I have, you <laughs> Not know, much. yeah, you don't have a whole lot of, uh, you know, confidence level. Well, you have confidence, but yeah, well, you have you have a lot of confidence, and you have a big job, and uh, let's talk just for a few minutes about. About your perspective and perception of the current state of college athletics. Give me a 30,000-foot general answer first. How's college athletics uh, today? Yeah, I think in, in it's it's very healthy. It's grown tremendously. Yeah. Um, obviously, the, the viewership and the interest in, in what we do, uh, particularly in, in major college basketball and college football, has just, you know, it's it's been a meteor. It's it's grown so much in, uh, you know, foot, uh, college football is, is easily one of the top, you know, most popular sports now in America. And uh, so that, that interest I don't see going away anytime soon. And, and it's fueled so much by the institutional equity and goodwill that, that institutions bring to it in terms of the name that's on the front of the jersey as opposed to, to the name that's on the back. And I think for me, I really realized that as a, as a college student that that's really what most of yeah. these people are coming for. Um, and to see that grow and develop. No, I think it's in a it's 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 a very healthy it, education is still at the core of what we do. Um, I think that's when you get into pay for play that that's where, you know, a lot of the presidents are of the mindset. While we may be making money, we're also borrowing a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh but if we move away from the education piece, then it's no longer really what we do. So I think that's, you know, that's a big question that's going to get fleshed out, you know, ultimately in courts and, and others. But I think by and large, the interest um, is is extraordinarily high. Well, a great segue because you really can't resolve or get ahead of the court cases, nor can you predict what a judge is going to say or what happens on appeal. Yet magic wand or prediction of where all of this is going. So let's talk about pay-for-play for for a minute. Um, Does that permeate? Does that only happen with Power Fives? Is there a restructuring? Where is this all going? Yeah, none of us really know where that that goes, other than we're going to just continue to invest in the experience that that college student-athletes have. And and at a a high level, uh, Power Five, non-Power, where we exist, in the basketball universe here at Mason, uh, our, our, our athletes have an, uh, they really have an amazing experience. I mean, in terms of the, the coaching, um, yeah. the academic support, uh, the, the food, the housing, the travel, everything that you, you're doing for them, it really is a, it's an incredible experience and they, and they get to walk away with a degree. And, yeah. and to me, it's a, it's an, it's a wonderful ecosystem. Well, in that context, let's just talk about the 
the things that uh, that impact the uh, the Dukes and Kentuckys and Kansases of the world. The whole one and done issue again, magic wand. It doesn't affect you as much, right, right. but it indirectly does. So, what's your take? Yeah, I, I think that ultimately, you know, I've always been of the mindset because I was a pro yeah. and a college student athlete. I've always felt like if you're good enough, you should be able to go pro. Yeah. And, After how and, many years, or just whenever? I think if you're if you're good enough coming out of high school, you should be able to go pro yeah. in, uh, in in football or what, whatever it is in basketball. Uh, absolutely, and and uh, you know, it, it really affects. A few, you know, so few of, right. of numbers in, in college basketball, but you know, we've obviously been uh, Mark Emmert. The, the rest of the NCAA has been very vocal about the fact that we would hope the NBA would change that rule and, and allow those young men to, if they're good enough, to go pro. Uh, but if you come to college, here's what we do. Yeah. Here are the rules that we play by, and you're going to walk away from here with a great experience and and a lot of a lot of relationships and a, and a wonderful college degree. The final basketball question relative to college sports, too, from your perspective is, what is the biggest business issue that you're dealing with as far as NCAA governance is concerned? If it's not pay for play and it's not one and done, what do you wake up every morning waiting to see from the higher-ups? It's it's really just we're we're all kind of sitting watching these sort of cases and how they mm. may affect your you know your business model whether it's right to likeness or pay right, right, right. those kind of things. So you, and outside of that, you kind of put that on a, a little bit of a shelf, and then everything else is is thinking about access to capital right. to grow and how do I how do I find the next dollar to get ahead and compete with you know in a in a marketplace that's uh, that's very competitive. You know the beauty of dealing with a businessman first, ladies and gentlemen, and an athletic director second is his segues are so good. He's kind of next asking the question. <laughs> I'm running the toss so, sweep. Yeah, you are. Toss sweep. So access to capital. Um, are you ever going to bring in uh, football? Yeah, we, we haven't said never. Okay. It, it's just, it's a, what we can't do or, or won't do is, is a, if you build it, they'll come. Yeah. Um, or allow it to be a zero-sum game on current resources, you know, with our, with our current um, uh, capital structure here. So uh, if, if the, the resources were to show up in a way that were meaningful, you know, for us, um, yeah, I mean, we, we take a look at it. We, again, football does so many things for an institution. Yeah. I mean, from there's... Even taking into account cancer research, there are very few things where that can broaden the, a university's base of support beyond its current alumni base. Very few football has done that, um, uh, and I think higher ed really owes it a debt of gratitude over the last 100 years for, for what it's done from that perspective, let alone the uh, hundreds of thousands of young men who got college edu- educations or college degrees from these very elite institutions where they would otherwise never have gotten in. So it's done a lot of great things in that regard. And, and But it is the upfront costs are, you know, in a, in a industry that's as competitive as telecommunications, yeah. as energy or anything else, it is no one's taking their foot off the gas at, at the highest level. And then from your other perspective, what kind of obligation or responsibility do you have to field as many 
men's and women's sports as you possibly can and show a diverse uh, series of options for your students. I mean, and, and that's, that's one great thing about what we do yeah. is that we are in a, uh, uh, an arena of, of diversity where we, we get to uh, interact with people from all different yeah. walks of life, socioeconomic backgrounds and, and races and, and, and places, countries all over the world. And, and it is a, something that I've always valued and, and found very, uh, very rewarding. So, you know, we, we're not at this point because of our business model. We're not really looking to grow our our number of sports. We're looking to make the ones that we have more competitive and, and provide a better experience for the student athlete. Good answer, right answer, I'm sure. But the bottom, and yeah. it, that's the only way you could yeah. could deal with the situation keep by keeping an open mind. And, and I guess the final really important thing that I'm sure viewers are going to want to know you 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 Redskins. Uh, it's probably the only team uh, in the league that has two. Uh, wonderful defensive backs who went on to be athletic directors at respective institutions, you and Mark Murphy. So I have to ask you, um, are you a better administrator than Mark? Absolutely. Okay, good. Good. Was he a better defensive back than you? No. No. Okay. Good. And then we we have Tom Bowles in the middle. Well, this is going to Green Bay tomorrow. I just want to tell you. Mark was amazing, and when I got the job here, I immediately got a note from him that said, when are you adding football? Yeah, right. Exclamation mark. I want to play you tomorrow. Yeah, he's great. And then the final question for you personally, you've done such a great job here short term, and then you just signed a long-term five-year extension. Hypothetically, if an NFL uh, uh, job, executive job popped up, would you even consider it? I absolutely would consider something like that. And, and uh, But the problem is we have such a great life that we, I mean, yeah. I really, within Division One, I, I have one of the best jobs in, in Division One because it's a great institution, an exciting institution. Uh, I have, While we don't have football, I can go right down the street to see the Redskins play. I'm on the military bowl board, so there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that feed that piece for me, but yeah, football is something that I obviously know, you know, reasonably well, so it's, uh, yeah, it's something you, you, you know, you keep an open mind and what's the best interest for you and your family. Brad Edwards, Mason is in good hands. Thank you uh, very much. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. We can tell Brad Edwards is articulate and has a sense of perspective that basically no one else has. But just talk about this. There are over 350 Division I college basketball programs in the country. George Mason, a mid-major, it's called. Their Final Four experience was incredible. But when you look at the University of Texas, they just announced that they had more than $219 million in annual operating revenue and expenses of just over $216 million. They are a juggernaut. They're in the top five. George Mason is not, obviously, but UT attributed the impressive revenue to the football program at $144.5 million, a total more than the total athletics operating revenue reported in all but 12 NCAA D1 public schools. Football, football, more football, but obviously a perspective of the Super Bowl of growth in a measured way for college athletics, dividing academics and athletics, and getting a sense of business. That's what Brad Edwards brings to the table. We wish him well. Looking forward to a Super Bowl prediction and next step next week as we focus on Atlanta and getting ready. Sports professor Rick Haro, speak with you soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Our producer, Alex Cohen, associate producer, Freddie Joyner, assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, Jesse Leeds, and Jamie Swimmer. 
and the executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Calaruso. I'm Ricaro. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.